Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If Dr. Lee had been listening to we wouldn't have seen this virus escape from Wuhan. Welcome to episode six of The Great Fail, a podcast that examines the greatest success stories and their spectacular fails, what led to the demise of the most prolific people, brands, and companies. I am your host, Deborah Chen, and this week we'll be doing a special coronavirus episode on the whistleblower from Wuhan. It was Friday morning in one of the coldest months of the year in Wuhan, China. Behind the fog of this cloudy morning hid the eminent rain that was headed towards the city. And Dr. Li Wenliang was arriving to the local police station as he was summoned. They had been waiting for him, the Wuhan police, who had approached Li a bit too fast and close for his comfort, before one of them spoke. There were many questions being asked, but most of what Lee remembered were accusatory words being thrown around. Words like rumor monger, false statements, disrupting social order and illegal activities. But any logical rebuttals on his part would not have a place because the words became lodged at his throat. The throat that was wedged by the baton that just a second ago was at the wayside of another cop. There was more screaming, this time directly into his face, and several officers administering into him a fear that was intended. This occurred for about an hour before a document was presented to Lee. He adjusted his glasses that were knocked crooked from his face and read it carefully. The document had loosely translated into the following... On the 3rd of January, 2020, I, Li Liang, plead guilty to making false comments to the public and severely disturbing the social order with regards to spreading rumors about acute respiratory illness that was becoming viral and highly contagious. There weren't any real alternatives. The encumbered Li hunched over this piece of paper and slowly signed what felt like to him the fate of thousands of lives. Welcome to the story of the whistleblower from Wuhan who made his warning public on December 30th, 2019 and died from the virus he warned everyone about almost 40 days later. It was December 30th, 
and Li Wenliang, a 34-year-old ophthalmologist, was working in the city center of the Wuhan Central Hospital when he noticed seven patients with symptoms that were similar to SARS, the virus from the global epidemic of 2003. SARS stood for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome and exhibited symptoms that included fever, chills, muscle aches, and headaches, and then would lead to a dry cough and shortness of breath. The patients at that time all seemed to have one thing in common. They had all been at the Huanan Seafood Market in Wuhan, and it was speculated that this coronavirus may have originated there. This market, which has now since closed, was considered the largest wholesale market in central China. And as Wuhan was located so inland, this became a thriving outdoor bazaar that hosted over 1,000 stalls spanning across seven football fields. For the last 15 years, seafood was ushered in by the tanks and the murky waters weighed heavily on pavements and above clogged sewages, secreting foul odor of carcasses and the weeping sounds of caged animals. On the exterior, it appeared that most vendors were selling meat and seafood, but behind the scenes, in more hidden alleyways, were the exotic game meats that were consumed as a symbol of prestige. On metal hooks for display were slaughtered peacocks and other fowl, placed for selection with fur intact and all. And then there were cages upon cages of live animals like fox and porcupines, deer, cats and dogs, some looking like they were stolen as other people's pets. And then there were more supposed exotic wildlife like snakes and bats. And though the sight would not be for the faint of hearts, what was equally disturbing were the conditions of the market. The accumulated waste, a mixture of mold and scraps of intestines and other unknown parts of animal remains, as well as muddy debris, excretion, and the putrid stench that encased some of the dark alleys. As a side note, my description of this doesn't even do justice in explaining how truly gruesome the photos are, but for those of you who really want to understand the magnitude of these rancid conditions, I will post them on the site and our social media with credit to the source. On another side note, there's been speculations that the coronavirus may have accidentally escaped from the test tube of China's bioresearch labs, which just so happens to be located in the city center of Wuhan, like an experiment-gone-wrong scenario. That suspicion was further substantiated when the People's Liberation Army's top expert in biological warfare was called into Wuhan at the end of January to help with the containment of the outbreak. Stephen W. Mosher, who's an author, social science, and advocate for human rights in China, recently penned a New York Post article citing that that even the deadly SARS virus, which was another man-made epidemic, had accidentally escaped from China's research labs because of a lack of safety precautions taken. I've taken a clip from World Over as he talks about how he came to his Chinese biolab theory. Well, I connected the dots, um, and, and, and the dots begin with this. We know that China is a signatory to the 1972 Bioweapons Convention. We know that it has been violating that convention ever since the ink was dry on that document. So they do have an actual bioweapons program. As part of that program, they've been collecting dangerous viruses, including coronaviruses, from animals and from around the world. 
There have actually been instances in North America, in a Canadian lab and in American labs of, of coronavirus samples being stolen and spirited back to China. Where are those pathogens, those dangerous pathogens, being collected and studied? They're being collected and studied in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It is the only level four lab in China. There's a level three near Beijing. This is the only level four, the highest uh, level of containment of dangerous pathogens, supposedly exists in Wuhan. Now, we know that there have been uh, viruses, dangerous pathogens that have escaped from Chinese biolabs before. There were SARS, there was a SARS epidemic back in 2003, and then two more epidemics in 2004. Why? Because the SARS virus escaped from the lab in Beijing and caused deaths and, and many illnesses in China. So we know that the lab protocols are weak. Uh, we also know that, uh, that, that in the case of the epidemic, the beginning of the epidemic, the very epicenter of the epidemic is in the city of Wuhan, only a few miles from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. China is a big country. There are three million square miles almost. If it passed innocently from an animal to a human somewhere in China, it probably would have happened in Xinjiang or Tibet or Manchuria or somewhere else. Why did it happen right next door to the Institute of Virology? in Wuhan, probably because it escaped from the lab there. And he discloses a very wild, little-known fact about the researchers from China's biological warfare lab. And that is this, that sometimes when they were done with their experiments, they would then sell their lab animals back to the street vendors to make some extra cash. Yep, that's right selling these virus-infected cadavers in the streets to be eaten up or slurped up in a soup. A Beijing researcher who is now in jail had made a million dollars reselling his monkeys and rats onto the live animal market. So whether this theory is true or not, it still leads us back to that market. This market that has originated some of the world's most unique and disturbing dishes, like bat stew, which ironically is supposed to help with the respiratory ailments, and marinated bamboo rats stuffed with vegetables, which allegedly is a good source of protein, and high-priced deer, which in soup form supposedly has health properties like regulating metabolism and preventing anemia. In the past, research has indicated that the SARS outbreak was thought to have been an animal virus that spread and infected humans from the Guangdong province. And so Dr. Li took to WeChat, China's most popular messaging app, to send his medical friends a message. There he alerted everyone of a similar outbreak and cautioned them to wear protective clothing and to avoid this infection and also to inform their loved ones privately. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Within hours, screenshots of his post went viral, and much to his dismay, his name was left on for all to see. At that moment, he had a hunch that things would not bode well for him. And he was right. Less than 24 hours later, Lee was interrogated extensively by officials on how he knew of the cases. Behind the scenes, the Wuhan Municipal Health Commission issued an emergency notice about a series of patients with, quote, unknown pneumonia that seemed to be linked to the market. However, the notice also heeded the warning that any organizations or individuals are not allowed to release treatment information to the public without authorization. Four days later, he was summoned to the Public Security Bureau, where he was accused of spreading rumors and coerced by force to sign an agreement acknowledging his wrongdoing. His admission to this guilt was published online and used as a poster child for what happens to those who dissent against the government. The Wuhan police proclaimed that they had taken legal measures against those who share rumors online. This police announcement was then broadcast across the country's China state television with an official statement that said, The internet is not a land beyond the law. Any unlawful acts of fabricating, spreading rumors, and disturbing the social order will be punished by police according to the law and with zero tolerance. Lee, who was already fearful for his life, was even more afraid of how his family would feel if he were detained. His fragile elderly parents, his pregnant wife. It wasn't a burden that he could have them bear, and he remained silenced, returning to his life, returning back to work, feeling hopeless and helpless. For the next two weeks that followed, the Wuhan Municipal Health Commission was the only source of updates on the development of the outbreak and, at their helm, was a veneer of silence. There were no new confirmed cases of the spread. They even went so far as to maintain that there was no obvious evidence for human-to-human transmission, stating that this was preventable and controllable and that there was no risk of infection to healthcare workers. But the silent calm would soon be the storm that would wreak havoc to the rest of the world. The contradiction of how there were currently no dangers of exposure and contagion to healthcare workers was a deafening blow, especially to Lee, because he tragically caught the virus from the patients on January 10th, 2020. 
Coughing and feverish, Lee was admitted to the hospital two days later, and his condition began to rapidly deteriorate. So badly, he was admitted to the ICU and given oxygen support. It would be more than two weeks later, February 1st, 2020, that he would officially test positive for the coronavirus. To put the timeline in context, Lee sent his first warning on December 30th, and for the first weeks of January, officials from Wuhan continued to insist that only those who came in contact with infected animals could catch the virus. It would be many days later that on January 17th, that Wuhan would publicly report 41 cases of the virus. And then three days later, the number would soar to almost 200. On that day, President Xi Jinping addressed the coronavirus for the first time, publicly ordering resolute efforts to curb the spread and stressing the need for real-time information. But by then, the public was already outraged by the mismanaged handling of the outbreak. Those who were acutely aware that heeding to early warnings could have saved countless lives. In late January, before his death, Lee broke his silence in an interview with the New York Times and said the words that weighed heavily on the people of China. If the officials had disclosed information about the epidemic earlier, I think it would have been a lot better. Here is Isabel Hilton from China Dialogue speaking to BBC on China and their handling of Dr. Lee's warning. This is what China does. China increasingly seeking to control what what people know. And that was the problem in the beginning. You know, if Dr. Lee had been listened to in the beginning, if the authorities had acted in the beginning, we wouldn't have seen this virus escape from Wuhan all over China and then internationally. And now, you know, however draconian the measures taken, you know, this is essentially shutting the stable doors. So people like Dr. Lee, who were sanctioned, I mean, having been interviewed by the police, they had to confess to spreading rumors, which is, which can carry a five-year sentence in China. Um, you know, this, is, this means that, that, that what the, the government is most afraid of is information that is inconvenient. As Stephen Mosher cited in his article, rather than transparency, what we saw was deception on multiple levels, with several party leaders and officials conspiring to bury the outbreak and downplay this simple pneumonia while cremating bodies prior to proper autopsy. They limit the number of coronavirus test kits that hospitals were provided so they could diminish the number of proven cases. And then they would deliberately underreport the number of deaths while keeping the crematorium furnaces going day and night to destroy evidence of their deceit. The great fail of preventing Dr. Li's warning to the rest of China has led to a widespread pandemic that has caused chaos and erosion to our global markets, questioning the adequacy of our healthcare system and governing parties, and testing our humanity. At the time of this recording, we are still very much in the midst of uncertainty, and with each pressing day, we will uncover just how fragile we are and how vulnerable our ecosystem is. This wasn't the censorship of one person in China that affected a country. This was a trickle-down effect of irresponsibility and the negligent distribution of knowledge that has led to an anarchy beyond borders. There were reasons I struggled with doing this episode, primarily not wanting to contribute to the sheer terror and panic of the uncertainty of the pandemic spread of COVID-19, nor did I want to diminish the seriousness of what was cascading on such a global scale. 
But the coronavirus is an issue that is on our minds constantly, if not thrust upon us by the media, then by the moments of our day when we start to notice just how many times we do touch our face, or the hesitation in shaking a new hand, or an old one, even squirming at the sight of doorknobs, and then scrubbing our hands a bit too hard when we're alone in our restrooms. Perhaps if not for the silencing of Lee, we would not be facing one of the worst disasters of our lifetime, with the stock market expected to be in more danger since the 2008 financial crisis, seeing the volatility of oil price wars, airlines expecting a $13 billion drop in revenue this year, Italy placing quarantine measures on its entire population, businesses dealing with the loss of revenue and disrupting supply chains due to China's factory shutdowns. Companies like Apple, Jaguar, Nike, HP, and a host of others are already forecasting the tremendous impact that this will be having on missing their revenue targets. The growing list of canceled or postponed events, South by Southwest, Coachella, March Madness, all major league sports teams announcing suspended games, the closing of the Chicago trading floor and the slowdown of the global growth, essentially wiping a trillion dollars off the value of the world economy. At the time of the recording, there has been 167,000 confirmed cases and almost 6,500 deaths worldwide. This episode is not just about the financial markets or the pervasive spread of the virus, but also how intertwined events and people are, like how one voice or the stifling of one's voice can affect the outcome of so many. We are dedicating this week's episode to the doctor who was credited as being one of the first to upon his discovery, try to warn the public about the coronavirus in the early days of the outbreak. This is the great failure of outside forces that prevented Dr. Lee from alerting others and saving lives. I think the majority of the people think he's the hero of China. So even me, I'm so proud of him. He, he told people the truth at the end of December, and then he passed away. I think in the second day, and in Wuhan and some other cities, and they held a short morning memory and just raised the, 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 the mobile phone, turn on the light and, and show this for a couple minutes and then go back to work. They're not thinking about the death and they admire him and they suppose Dr. Lee is a hero, including me. This is Chinese doctor. I suppose majority of Chinese doctor actually like him. The story of Lee and the photo of him in the hospital bed will go down in history as one of the most prolific moments during the coronavirus, serving as a symbol of freedom of speech for China. China's heavy-handed stance on censorship prevailed so excessively that even during Li's final moments, the authorities ironically claimed ownership to the fact of even when he took his last breath. To this day, we do not know the exact time of his passing. It was first reported that on the evening of February 6 at 10 p.m., news began circulating on China's social media that Li had died. At 10.40 p.m., China's state-run tabloid confirmed on its Twitter account that Li had passed, and then the People's Daily, China's Communist Party's official newspaper, posted their remorse on the news. 
these news announcements were later deleted. Less than two hours later at 12.38 a.m. Friday morning, the Wuhan Central Hospital released another statement saying that Lee hadn't died but was in critical condition and that doctors were trying to resuscitate him. Wuhan Central Hospital then officially announced that Lee died at 2.58 a.m. The state-run newspaper, however, reported that Lee's heart stopped beating around 9.30 p.m. the night prior. During the confusion, more than 17 million people watched the live stream on his status updates. Sometime between the reported death time and the actual death time, in the middle of the morning, around 2 a.m., a tide of emotion swept over China's Weibo, their version of Twitter, expressing the frustration of the announcement of Li's death and the handling of the news. One post read, You think we've all gone to sleep? No, we haven't. The hashtag We Want Freedom of Speech gained over 2 million views over 5,500 posts. Within five hours, it was censored and shut down. Thanks for listening to The Great Fail, a program presenting only the best in failuretainment by spotlighting the biggest business train wrecks of all time. Join us next week for a brand new episode and be sure to visit thegreatfail.com to access show notes and discover our fantastic bonus content. Connect with us at The Great Fail on Facebook and Twitter and please subscribe, review, rate this podcast so we can continue bringing you more episodes. If you want to share a great fail of your own, email us your funniest business blunders. We want to hear about your friend's tech startup, your uncle's dating app, or even your own business flop. Write to stories at thegreatfail.com and maybe yours will be featured on the next pod. Until next time, folks, remember, with great failure comes great liability. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.